Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another creator-owned spotlight, and today we're going to be talking about another campaign that is live as we speak on Zoop.gg. It's Resolution, and I have a writer, Ron Mars, who's returning for the show for the first time in quite a while to talk about it. So, Ron, thanks for taking the time to join me. Yeah, no problem, Jace. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I have a, a lot of questions about the campaign, but also about your kind of your decision to go with this platform, because I know you're uh, heavily involved in Ominous Press, and you guys have done a lot of Kickstarters and, and uh, crowdfunding over there over the years. So I'm sort of curious, why don't we start there? What made you make the switch over to uh, to Zoop? Uh, what is it they offered that, that made you think, you know what, uh, let's give this a try? Well, um, you know, I've known Jordan for a while. Uh, Jordan and Eric are, are the, you know, the main guys at uh, Zoop. And Jordan reached out to me, you know, I don't know, a few months ago and said, hey, we're doing this thing. Um, and we're trying to build a, a comic-centric crowdfunding platform, and, and do you have anything that you might want to do? Um, so I, you know, I sort of bent my brain around it and, and got in touch with uh, my buddy Andy Lanning, uh, wh- with whom I've been co-writing some stuff the last couple of years. We just did the uh, DC's Endless Winter crossover in December. Um, and said, "Hey, what do you think? Do you want to, you know, let's let's put something else on our plate because you know we, you know, we we don't have enough to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so this is this is the idea that came out of it. And I, you know, I love working with Rick. Um, Rick and I are working on a couple of different projects already together. So uh, so I called Rick and said, "Hey, we're doing we're doing this thing. Um, do you want to try it out with us?" So so he agreed, and that's kind of the the merry band." And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, no slight to Ominous, obviously. I've got a couple of projects that are in the hopper there um, that will more than likely, you know, come out later in the year. Um, So in the interest of getting this one out sooner rather than later, um, we decided to go go with Zoop. Um, And also it's it's obviously a um, this is sort of a concierge type uh, type platform where the, you know, the Zoop guys, uh, as we call them now, the Zoop guys, uh, uh, are handling a lot of the logistics of uh, running the campaign and building the page and doing the updates and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it frees us up to do the creative work, which is obviously what, um, what we're most interested in, intrigued in doing in the first place. So, um, so this was a way to kind of put the project together and then hand it off to these guys, obviously in concert with them, um, you know, giving them the material and, and uh, putting our heads together on how we want the campaign to look and all that, but, but them doing the, the sort of uh, logistical work of making the whole thing, uh, making the whole thing appear as it does right now online. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point um, to, and and a good reminder because we have a ton of aspiring comic creators that listen to us uh, on on the podcast and both on the on the YouTube channel. Uh, as a as a freelancer, you know, as somebody who kind of self employed works for yourself, it's very important to have multiple things going on at multiple places because you never know what's going to go, when it's going to go, and you know, what the next thing is going to be. So right. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. So you, you, you do learn that, um, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Um, and you also learn that, um, that you try to dance with all the girls at the party. Um, you, you try to, you know, you try to spread yourself around enough that, um, you have good relationships with as many different, uh, venues as possible. Um, so, 
so and and you know honestly a part of it was also that you know, something like Zoom I think is a is a benefit is a boon for um, for comics in specific um, we can you know if we can help to get this thing up and running and be a viable platform um, you know in addition to Kickstarter and Indiegogo um, particularly in that Zoop is is comic centric you know it's will hopefully be a kind of um shopping mall for people doing their their creator own comics um and one of the other one of the other um real positives to zoop is that you know they will they will continue to sell the book after the campaign um they will they will hold stock they will do the sales um as an online portal as well um which is you know which is one of the you know passive income in in comics is next to godliness so uh that's always a you know it's it's always nice when you know when some unexpected money drops out of the sky uh you know royalty checks or or um you know hey they used you know they used your character for a for an action figure here's here's an unexpected check with zeros at the end of it um all that stuff is great it's 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 part of how you make your living as a freelancer yeah, it's a it's a good point. And, and to your other point earlier that you had said about being able and we talked to Jordan about this, uh, a creator being able to, OK, Zoop, here, here's the series. Here's what we want. Here's what it looks like. Go. And you got, it leaves you free to, to create rather than dealing with a bunch of questions from Kickstarter or, you know, boxing up books to ship out and, and that sort of thing. But you don't lose the community aspect of it either. Yeah, I mean, not to, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but there are other people that can build a campaign page and do it better than I can. Right. And there are certainly other people who are more suited to packing boxes and, and <laughs> sending, uh, sending uh, rewards out to, to the backers. Um, I, I can do what I can do, right? I can, I can write this stuff and edit this stuff and put together um, uh, creative teams. Um, I can make things. So the more time I get to spend making things, the happier I am. Fantastic. Uh, well, let's talk about what you're making with Andy and uh, and Rick. Resolution. Why don't you give our listeners an idea of what the uh, the elevator pitch is about with the story? Because you guys are going really cosmic. Um, yeah, it's it's. We decided that okay. Well, let's do. You know, if we're going to do this thing, let's do what people know us for. Let's do cosmic stuff. Obviously, I started with Silver Surfer and Green Lantern. I've done Star Wars and you know, all sorts of cosmic stuff. Not that that's by any means the only thing that I've done, but um, that's a decent chunk of my resume. And in Andy's writing career, um, Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy exists as it does on screen because of the run that Andy was involved in. Um, uh, and the Annihilation crossover um, that was done at Marvel. So, um, so cosmic stuff is kind of our sweet spot. Um, and just, and, you know, Rick can draw anything. Rick's just a joy to work with. So, uh, so we lured him in and the, uh, the, the shortest elevator pitch I can give you is, um, Green Lantern Corps meets Unforgiven. No, oh. um, that's really where, uh, that's the, that's the core of what we're doing. No pun intended. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a cosmic team it's a cosmic peacekeeping force much like the green lantern corps or the nova corps or um 
you know, any of the other sort of Lensman-esque uh, intergalactic teams. Um, our main character is called Zan Maddox. She's a, you know, she's one of the greatest heroes of, of um, the Resolute is what our, our heroes are called. Um, and the individual members of the Resolute are called Blades. That's why they have a sort of a hilt design on their costumes. Um, and Zan Maddox is one of the greatest uh, Blades that the Resolute has ever had. Um, she is now retired. She has had enough. She lives on a, on a um, remote planet uh, in solitude. And uh, people from her past come to her and say, hey, your arch nemesis, essentially her, her Thanos, um, has, been, uh, has been found and there's a bounty on his head. Uh, let's, let's go get them. Let's go, let's go frankly, collect the money uh, mm. that's involved in this. And so the, the story is really about her decision of whether or not she's going to join with, um, with these people uh, who are, you know, um, none of these people are from earth, we should say, this is all cosmic stuff. Um, so, um, so uh, the, her decision of whether or not to participate in this is what kind of spurs the rest of the story. And um, in the planned ensuing volumes, her decision um, has serious ramifications uh, that, that are not good for the universe. So um, it starts with um, an ex-hero alone on a desolate planet and expands into a very much universe changing kind of story. Um, all obviously drawn by the uh, the lovely and talented Rick Leonardi, um, whose uh, whose designs can be seen on the on the campaign page, um, inked by Andy Lanning because he's uh, he's a pretty damn good inker too. And uh, Andrew Dollhouse is our colorist. Yeah, Andrew's uh, fantastic. I mean, the whole art team is, is fantastic. And I want to talk about bringing Rick on board the project in a, in a second, but. Um, let's talk about scope real quick first i think when people hear cosmic they do think automatically oh well that's going to be a, a huge a huge story in terms of scope and i think it's a little bit of a misnomer because you can have stories set on earth that are still huge in scope too um but knowing your writing especially what you did with uh, silver surfer and green lantern both huge in scope but at the core about those singular characters, about Norrin Rad, about Kyle Rayner, and really exploring who they are. Uh, I expect we'll get the same here with Zan Maddox, right? Like you, you are building this world and in this universe, and it is a big story, but it's got to be character first and specifically for Zan. Is that accurate? Sure. I mean, if if you don't care about our main character, there's no reason to show up. So right. part of our job is to make sure that um, we introduce her and we introduce her compatriots, of course, but um, that you find her a compelling character. You find her to be, um, you know, the the will money of of Unforgiven, or um, kind of the the old and grizzled Linda Hamilton of the Terminator franchise. Um, we we want you to, uh, you know, it, this is this is serial serialized storytelling. This is cliffhanger stuff. We want you to care what happens next. That's that's in its simplest form what we do. Um, so, so we want you invested in her character and obviously invested in the world, uh, or in this case, the universe that she inhabits. And then, um, and then we'll, we'll do really terrible things to all of our characters. 
So as a creator, do you enjoy building out the, the world that the characters inhabit or do you enjoy building the layers of the individual characters more or do you have a preference? Um, I'm always a character first writer. Um, that's, that's how I came into this business and that's still how I approach the stories. Um, the setting is, the setting is important. Um, and it has to work. It has to be believable. Um, but it, to me, it's secondary. Um, I, I teach a, I teach a comic writing class at the Jacob Kruger studio in, uh, in Manhattan, which we do online now, of course. Um, and, you know, and one of the things that I tell everybody in the class is that, you know, you have to, you have to make the audience care or, all of the, you know, all of the blood and thunder that comes after that, you know, all of the special effects and the explosions and the space armadas and uh, all of that stuff is, is, you know, is Michael Bay stuff. Um, right. Cool to look at, but it's empty calories. So um, when you put together a character that you care about, hopefully characters that you care about and, uh, and all of that stuff, all of that over the top cosmic stuff then you know then you've got something then you're you're making a souffle that people want to show up for yeah it's a it's a good point especially the kind of the film analogy people will go see a michael bay movie it's it's two hours and you're done and whether you cared about the characters or not you're there but like you said this is serialized storytelling so it's not just getting somebody to buy the first issue they've got to come back and it can be great and cosmic and beautiful eye candy with uh you know andrew's colors and and uh, rick's line work but get them to come back for a second issue, they've got to be invested. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're doing this as, as hardcover graphic novels. So there's, you know, each one is going to be a, a, you know, assuming we get, assuming we get funded, let's, right. let's not put the cart before the horse. Right. Um, but assuming we get funded and we move on to, you know, future volumes, um, we want each one to feel like a satisfying chunk, but you put them all together and you've got a much bigger tapestry. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about bringing uh, Rick on. I mean, legendary creator has done fantastic work. I think a lot of people uh, maybe most closely asso associate him with uh, the, his X-Men work uh, back in the 80s, which is fantastic. But he, he's drawn he's drawn everything. So was he somebody that you had in mind that you and Andy had in mind when he started developing the story? Um, did you did you know he was going to be part of the project and you kind of developed it to kind of suit his style? Like, what was your thinking there visually? Well, we 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 ended up um, sort of developing the storyline, and and Andy was really the one that came up with the pieces and said, "How about this?" And I, you know, I I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, and you know, we sort of we sort of Frankenstein stuff together from there. And then as we started to talk about, okay, who's who's a good person for this? You know, you make a list. You make a list of ten or fifteen names, and and ultimately when I said. Hey, why don't we ask Rick? You know, that was the end of the discussion. <laughs> uh, because, because, and you know, part of it is that I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm working on a few different projects with Rick already. Um, we're, we're, Rick is finishing up the, um, the Blue Angel um, OGN that we're doing for Naval Institute Press, which is 135, 140 pages. So it's a, it's a big chunk of material and he's right at the end of that. Um, so, you know, so part of it was also, I knew what Rick's schedule was. I knew that, you know, uh, that there was going to be an opening for, for something, um, you know, second half of this year. So, uh, that also makes, um, that also makes the, um, you know, putting the team together a little easier. And, and honestly, one of the other factors was that, um, 
you know, I always, I love Rick's stuff when he inks himself or, you know, darkens his pencils and manipulates it in Photoshop and we get nice sort of juicy, gritty line work out of it. Um, but Rick is, Rick's pencils, you know, cry out to be inked. Um, and Andy has inked Rick before. Um, Andy inked Rick on a short story I wrote about my father's uh, wartime experiences in World War II um, that was just, actually was just reprinted in uh, the last, the last volume of Full Bleed from uh, IDW. Um, and it's been printed a few other places too. So that was, um, that was the first time they had worked together and it's absolutely gorgeous work. I mean, Andy really gets what Rick does and, and what Rick puts down on the page, um, Andy, you know, takes to the finish line. So, so that was another factor of just knowing that, you know, Andy could be the anchor on the project because he was already in, um, made, made the decision that much easier to just go, well, you know, let's, you know, let's get the band back together. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, is there any difference when you have a co-writer in terms of collaboration for character design? I mean, uh, and and how much did was there back and forth between uh, between the three of you, you, Andy, and Rick, in terms of hey, what's what's what are these characters going to look like? What's the costumes going to look like? And that sort of thing. I mean, I imagine when it's just you writing solo, you just bounce a couple ideas back and forth between you and the the penciler to come up with the designs. Any difference with Andy? Just another voice in the room? You know, or? not really. Andy and I have very similar story sensibilities. Um, and we've been friends for 25 years uh, and have co-written a number of things together already. So it's very much a, you know, sort of right brain, left brain thing. Um, and, uh, and, and I think part of it is that we're, you know, we're both adults and, you know, you know that there's give and take in the process mm -hmm. and that, um when you are co-writing with somebody, it's not all yours and it's not all theirs. And um, the idea is to, is to get the best possible, um, the best possible project out of it, the best possible ideas out of it. Um, so, you know, Andy and I came off of doing Endless Winter for DC in December, which was 200 and something pages um, that all came out within four weeks, or I think actually within five weeks. Um, so, you know, so it's kind of a well-oiled machine at this point. Um, there would be times when, you know, Andy's in the UK, he's outside of London. So he would be obviously up five or six hours earlier than I am. So he's working on stuff. And then by the time, and then we've got a chunk of time during the day where we're both working on things together and just swapping Google Docs back and forth. Um, and then, um, and then I kind of take the reins once it's time for him to have a beer and go to bed. Um, so, so when we were doing it in this winter, there was almost, you know, uh, maybe not 24 hour production on, you know, grinding out the scripts, but maybe 20 hour production or something like that. Uh, there was, there were some nights where I was up really late sort of polishing dialogue and, um, you know, it would be breakfast time for Andy and he, he pops in and says, oh, that looks really good. Uh, I'll, you know, why don't you go to sleep now? Um. So, um, you know, I, I don't think co-writing works for, for, you know, every project or every, um, or every team that you would put together. But um, for, for me and Andy, it's just, um, you know, it's just a very easy process and um, we'll continue doing it for quite some time. We actually have some other, uh, some other stuff lined up that hasn't been announced yet that we'll be doing together. Yeah, it would be cool to go back and get some of those stories that you guys, you know, speaking of Endless Winter, some of those stories of that kind of first Justice League with the Viking Prince. And uh, yeah, that, that was cool. Uh, yeah, we would. Uh, I mean, that was part of part of the thinking was, 
hey, you know, it'd be really cool if we could go back and do like a one shot or a miniseries with with this group. Um, so, you know, who knows if, if DC's up for it? We, you know, that was kind of in the back of everybody's mind when we were doing it. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, let's go back and talk a little bit about um, what I mentioned before about about the design sense and, and costumes and whatnot. Um, how much back and forth was there between you guys and Rick in terms of, hey, what, what are these costumes going to look like? What are these characters going to look like? Uh, and he must be having a blast because, like you said, they're not earthlings. These are cosmic, you know, a bunch of aliens and, and whatnot. You know, there's, there, there are no parameters. Um, you know, the only thing we said uh, to Rick um, was, you know, and we, you know, we created a document of, I don't know, 30 pages or so with, uh, with notes and examples and, you know, here's, here's, you know, here's a shot of Linda Hamilton looking like a badass in, in Terminator. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's just some like, you know, um, mood board kind of stuff to point in a direction. And then Rick just took it and ran with it. Um, so the, I think the only real direction that we had was like, let's make this a modern looking costume. Let's make this, um, let's take advantage of the color uh, the color technology that we have available to us now, you know, like Green Lantern Corps obviously created um, at the dawn of the Silver Age, um, looks like a dude in a leotard, <laughs> uh, which is totally cool. And I love it. I mean, I love that Gil Kane costume. Um, but you can do so much more with color uh, and glows and all of the stuff that all the tools that we have in the toolbox now. We wanted to make sure that we were taking advantage of that sort of stuff, the, the special effectsy sort of stuff um, that we can do now. So that was a, that was a big part of the process of, of building her suit. Um, and then, you know, and then the rest of it was Rick just sort of doing cool stuff. I mean, you know, like I said, you can go to the to the campaign page and look at uh, a swath of the designs that he's done for, you know, for the villain and for spaceships and for the um, for the, you know, for the world where um, she is, you know, sort of this solitary um, farmer almost, uh, you know, with these floating oceans above her. Um, you know, just, you know, the, the sensibility was just, let's just do something cool. What do you want to draw? Um, that's the, to me, that's the most fun you can have on a project like this is, is what, what do you think is cool? What do you want to draw? Um, uh, and that's certainly what, what we did. That's, you know, I don't think, Rick sent anything that we went, oh, well, that doesn't look good. Don't, you know, we're not going to do that. Um, it's all just, you know, it was all right in the ballpark in the first place. And then it was just a matter of sort of honing, you know, the chess symbol and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, it's kind of most, most of what you see is kind of the first, you know, the first take and it's, it's right where it needs to be. Yeah. And uh, like you said, knowing that you were going to have Andy's inks over, uh, Rick's pencils and they've worked together before. That gives you a, a sense of confidence. that's going to look good in terms of line work. But then you reach out to somebody like Andrew Dollhouse, who's one of the best colors in the business, because you're right. You with modern techniques and color, you could do all sorts of of cool glow effects and explosions and have the things really leap off the page. And Andrew's just a master at all of that. So um, uh, I, honestly, to, to tell you the truth, Andrew reached out to me and said, really? "Hey, you, you guys got a colors." And we went, well, actually, no, we don't. Um, the The cover was colored by um, our buddy Niraj Manan, who is in India and has worked with Rick on a number of things um, and just is a phenomenal colorist. 
Um, but we knew Niraj, you know, he, he did us a favor, came in and did the cover because we needed it for the campaign. Um, but we knew he, his schedule would not allow him to, uh, to do the whole book because, frankly, he's coloring Rick's work on Blue Angel for mm. uh, Naval Institute Press. So um, we knew that he wasn't a possibility. So we just sort of tabled that for, for a while. And, and lo and behold, um, Andrew just, you know, like sent me a note and said, hey, you guys got somebody in that slot yet? Um, which I didn't expect, but I'm thrilled. Um, Andrew actually uh, colored uh, Bart Sears and I did a couple of holiday stories for heavy metal. Mm. Uh, was sort of a badass sword wielding Santa, um, and Andrew colored those and just did a phenomenal job on them. And um, so, as soon as he, you know, as soon as he contacted me, I obviously got got a hold of Andy and Rick, and I was like, "Hey, guess what? You know, guess what just fell out of the sky for us?" So, um, so everybody was obviously um, really enthused about that, and it just seems like this whole team fell into place um, just like it was supposed to, even though we weren't actually, you know, we weren't trying. It just, it just happened. And I think a lot of times that's, that's how the best things happen is it just, uh, it's just kind of meant to be. Yeah. It's uh, sort of like catching lightning in a bottle. You know, you've got this fantastic team. I mean, I love uh, ever since I uh, saw Andrew's work on on The Flash when uh, Rob Venditti was writing it and it was Brett Booth and Norm Ratman. I mean, just a dream team, man. I mean, he really would bring that art to life. And I I can't think off the top of my head of any kind of cosmic space books that I've seen Andrew draw. So I am very excited to see his work in, you know, some space scapes and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. I think he's, he's a terrific fit. Um, um and it turns out Andrew's a big fan of Rick's stuff. Um, and Andrew and I actually chatted this morning on the phone. Um, and he said that the first comic he ever bought, like went to the store and bought himself, was Green Lantern 48. Um, uh, nice. So I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> it rears its I'm, head again. I'm feeling old. But, uh, but yeah, he said that was the first one that he, you know, he like bought it off the rack at an Eckerd drugstore. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, that's the way it usually goes in this business is, is creators end up orbiting each other and influencing each other. And sometimes they just, um, you know, sometimes they, they collide in, in the best way. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, pivot here a little bit, Ron, and talk about some of the rewards that are available uh, on the campaign. And uh, Ron's mentioned a, a couple of times, you know, go to the, the campaign page and check it out. Just a reminder to everybody, I will put a link in the show notes if you're having trouble finding it. Uh, or you can just go to zoop.gg uh, or zoop.gg forward slash resolution and find it that way. But if you're having trouble, just go to the show notes, click on the link and, and you can check it out. Um, but there's a, there's a digital version. There's the print version, as you said, hardcover. And there's some other goodies here uh, as well, right, Ron? Um, yeah, we tried, to, we tried to strike the balance between, um, you know, here's a book, that's it. Um, and you know, sometimes you see a Kickstarter campaign where there are like 26 rewards and you don't know where to start. Um, so we tried to keep it, um, reasonable, but give a, give a sense of, of, you know, give a, give a variety of options to, um, to the backers. So there's the, there's the oversized hardcover, um, sort of French album style, um, large hardcover book, um, 
There's a companion book, which is comic size, uh, 48 pages, and will is sort of a, a glimpse into the, um, the creative process. So that'll have the script, uh, Rick's layouts, pencils, inks, colors, um, all, the, all of the kind of behind the scenes material um, that um, kind of shows how the book comes together. Um, and that's a, that's a comic size companion volume. Um, and we're doing a portfolio where, which, which means essentially we, we, you know, we put the arm on all of our friends to say, Hey, can you do a piece for us? Um, so, um, so the portfolio is, um, is up there as well. And I, I'm, I'm going to leave somebody off if I try to do this off the top of my head. Um, Paul Pelletier, Ron Lim, um, uh, Greg Broadmore, who works at uh, Weta and is an amazing artist, his, his print is actually done and up there. Um, uh, Liam Sharp, Phil Jimenez, uh, Luke Ross, who am I forgetting? Derek Robertson, Bart Derek Lee, Robertson, and, uh, Peter Krause, and Peter Krause, and a few more to be announced. I've we've uh, we've lured in a few more uh, willing victims. Who are going to be contributing pieces so we'll probably end up with about a dozen pieces in the portfolio yeah and and so that's fantastic that has me really excited too because you're oh, and, and and paul pelletier paul pelletier's piece is already done um so paul finished his over the weekend and um and zapped it over to andy and andy is inking it right now yeah i mean this is a who's who of of really talented artists um and, and great people too I, mean, I know most of those guys they're all awesome they're super talented and what's so great is, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys, we, we've seen their work on, you know, known properties, Superman, Batman, Silver Surfer, Spider-Man, Avengers, that, that sort of thing. They're getting to go and create something, uh, create an, a, a piece of art in this world that, that you and Andy and Rick have, uh, have built, where, like you said earlier, there's no parameters, right? The sky's the limit. They, Here's what the costume looks like. Here's what the you know the the sword hilt icon looks like. Other than that, go go crazy. Use your imagination. That's got to be fun for them, and that ends up bringing out people's best work. Yeah, well, it's it's um it's a little daunting and and hopefully uh, freeing for a lot of them. Um, we've got oh Bart Sears is involved too because because I'm actually looking at Bart's sketch for his uh, for his piece right now. Um, so it's on, on the one hand. Here's the costume. Here's some designs. Go nuts. Um, and on the other hand, um, there's you know there isn't twenty or thirty years of established continuity to fall back on. Um, so it, yeah, it becomes it's a two-edged sword. Um, so um, the uh, the guys who are um, a little bit more uh, adventurous, you know, kind of jump into the deep end of the pool. Because I sent out all the references and said, look, do whatever you want. You want to do a a space armada or a you know bucolic cosmic scene or monsters or giant robots or just whatever you want to do go nuts um and and you know paul jumped in and and his piece is is on the page um and you know obviously he he uh, when he sent it to me he he sent a note that said man i'm just really stupid because, you know, because it's this, you know, he just filled the page with these two huge, you know, sort of Kirby-esque giant robots. And obviously he, he you know, he set himself a very difficult task. Right. Uh, uh, but obviously, um, obviously just leaned into it and nailed it. 
Yeah, his piece and then the Greg Broadmoor piece that's up already. Uh, and he, he kind of leaned into this idea of, you know, Zan out there farming in these these floating farms or whatever it is, the, uh, you know, these floating seas, I think you call them, that that uh, exist on the, the planet that she's on, which is just, I mean, just a wonderful visual. Yeah, we, we tried to have, um, you know, we, we're certainly wearing our influences on our sleeves. Um, and, and in fact, part of the conversation with, um, with Andrew this morning was, you know, that, that there's going to be flashbacks within the overall story. So we see Zan Maddox in her heroic heyday, in her, um, you know, in her uh, comic booky cosmic glory. Um, and we're going to color those in one way. Uh, and then what's going on now in the contemporary aspect of the story is going to have a different palette to it. It's going to be um, a little more like uh, some of Mobius's cosmic stuff, where it's a little more it's a little more washed out. It's a little more watercolory. Um, so we want to we want the visuals to reflect um, the differences of where she is in her life in the in these in these two time frames. Um, so we'll meet her as a as a robust hero, and we'll meet her as as you know sort of the retired recluse, and you know she has to decide which of those paths she's going to take. Well, being that you've been writing comics for, for so long now, and I certainly don't want to date you. You already you were talking about Andrew buying Green Lantern 48 off the rack. Uh, is this a story that you could, you know, because it's, it's Zan Maddox sort of having lived this life and, you know, gone through that idea of the grizzled veteran. Is this a story that, that Ron Mars circa Green Lantern 48 could have written? Or do you think your experiences both as a, a comic writer over the years and just living life that you're in a much better place to kind of tell a story about somebody who's in that place in their life? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think, look, the, the, you know, the next story you tell is always supposed to be the best story you tell. Um, you're supposed to um, uh, gather all those influences and all that experience and all of that stuff and put it all into the next one. Um, it doesn't always work out like that, but, um, but that's the, you know, that's the goal anyway. So I'd like to think I'm a better writer now than I was when I wrote Green Lantern. And, you know, I, hopefully I'll be a better writer um, when we do volume two of this thing than I am when I'm doing volume one. Um, but you also, I mean, you also know the tricks of the trade. You know, you, you, you learn how to do this job while you're doing this job. Um, certainly when I, when I wrote Silver Surfer, you know, I was like a, 23 year old kid when I started writing Silver Surfer, um, having no real idea what sort of opportunity and chance that was like that. Like I have to, people say, well, how did you break in? And I was like, well, Jim Starlin pointed at me and said, Hey, you want to write some comics? <laughs> um, you know, that, that sort of thing doesn't happen. Um, so, uh, the, I guess the point here is that it's, it's really, um, the only way to learn how to do this job is to do this job. Um, there's not a lot of practice involved um, that is worth much of anything. You have to, the best way to write comics is to write comics. Um, yeah, we, the best way to learn the job is to, is to do it and make a bunch of mistakes. Um, again, what I tell, what I tell people in my, in my comic writing class is, look, you gotta go, you gotta go write it, go make a comic, go write it, get an artist, make, make the comic, put it out. And it's going to probably be pretty terrible. Um, your first one is not going to be any good because you don't know what you're doing. Um, 
second one will be better than the first one. The third one will be better than the second one. And eventually the light kind of goes on and you go, oh, I know how to do this now. I get this. Um, but you have to go through that learning process. Um, for me, I went through the learning process um, writing Silver Surfer for Marvel. Um, so all of the, you know, all of the, the rookie mistakes are out there to see. But also, you know, I got to, you know, I, I got to to play on the biggest stage um, while I was learning. So I'm, I'm obviously forever grateful to, to Jim and to Marvel for giving me that opportunity. And, you know, here I am still doing it 30 years later. Yeah, and it's, it, it's great advice. And we, we say it all the time. There are no barriers now. You know, it's certainly much different. There's so many tools online. If you want to be a comic creator, you can be a comic creator. You want to write comics, just go and, and create them. Nobody can stop you. you yeah, know, just, on just make the thing. Yeah. Um, it's such a different world than when I broke in. I mean, when I broke in, there was Marvel and DC and a handful of other, you know, sort of very small press publishers. And that was it. Like you didn't, you know, they, your choices were that or, you know, borrowing the, the Xerox machine at your dad's office yeah. and, you know, and making a black and white zine to hand out, uh, hand out at the school parking lot. Um, now you can, you know, make your comic and put it online and the audience is worldwide immediately. Um, so yeah, the opportunities to, to do this um, are just infinite now. Yeah. No, no excuses. And, and to some extent, I mean, it, it, that ties into what we're doing with resolution. Um, we just basically said, well, you know, let's, let's just grab up a few friends and we'll, we'll go make this thing and, you know, and we'll crowdfund it and then we'll, we'll print it in hardcover and send it out to people who wanted it. Um, and then hopefully we'll make another one. Um, it's, it's the, the do it yourself aspect of comics now has never been greater. Um, and uh, the digital tools to allow us to do this are, are a godsend. Um, there was no way to, you know, make your own comic 30 years ago. Uh, like, uh, unless you, you literally, you know, we're going to Xerox. Yeah. Well, the other thing about crowdfunding, and, and this is true, whether you're on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Zoop, what have you, you're removing that layer in between the creator and, and the reader, right? Like there's that, that pub, that big corporate publisher is not in the middle, uh, kind of insulating you. So you get a chance to really interact and, and us as fans and readers, we're bringing this to life. This is our way to contribute and become part of the creative team, uh, you, you know, in, in the way that we can by helping to bring this to life. And then there's, there isn't that layer in between to talk about whether we liked it or not either. Right. It's out there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's, um, it, it's, we can't do it without the support of the fans. Literally, literally, we can't do it. Um, so, um, so there's a, you know, I'm, I'm a big subscriber to the theory of, you know, having, you know, a thousand loyal, loyal fans allows you to do anything you want in the world. Um, and I'm not saying I have a thousand loyal fans. I mean, I hope I do. Uh, I hope between me and Rick and Andy and uh, Andrew, we do. Um, but you really, you really don't need, um, you know, you don't need an audience of millions to, to make your thing. Um, entertainment is so fractured now in terms of what I, you know, the difference between what I grew up with, mm -hmm. um, uh, just, you know, TV, music, anything. Um, there are so many different ways to do your thing um, with the good graces of, of people who, uh, who want that thing and are willing to support you. Yeah, it's true. And uh, 
I, I really encourage everybody. This is the point in the show. I'm going to remind you all. You're probably tired of hearing me say it. Go check out resolutionunzoop.gg. And even if it's not for you, maybe you hate cosmic stories, maybe you want to join the campaign, but you just don't have the means right now. The best thing that you can do for Ron and Andy and Rick and Andrew is to share it on social media. Let's get this thing out there so everybody who does want to contribute and does have the means currently can can join the campaign. Uh, there's nothing worse than finding the campaign that you wanted to join after it's already over. So again, link in the show notes. You can go, you can click there. Just go check it out. Click share it on social media so everybody gets a chance to see it. Uh, it's been great chatting, Ron. Uh, as we're talking, the campaign is a little over 20% funded. There's 27 days to go, everybody. Uh, is there anything else that you want uh, our listeners or, or anybody watching on YouTube to know about the campaign, Ron? Um, just to keep checking it. Uh, we're going to be rolling out content uh, probably almost daily um, as we as we get pages done, as we um, we're going to the whole idea behind this is to sort of give the audience a, a glimpse behind the scenes um, that you don't normally get. Uh, we want to be able to bring the audience with us as we do this thing. Um, I think there's a there's a certain amount of of uh, alchemy in how comics are made. Still, like you know, people certainly in the certainly in the in the lay audience, right? The people who don't go to the comic shop every Wednesday, and the and the the people who are not of our tribe, right? Right. Um, have no idea how comics are made. It's you know, it's 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 a completely um, uh, it's a, it's completely behind the curtain. Um, for those of us who are familiar, obviously, there's there's more understanding of the the process, but um, I think there's still a, a great many misconceptions of how this how this all comes together. How you know you pull together five or six friends and, and make a thing, and then and then it's real. Then it appears um, in your inbox or in your mailbox or or on a, a store shelf. So um, the goal for this for the for the next 27 days is to try to get as much content, um, character designs and pages and um inking process we'll have we'll have a video of of uh rick inking uh paul pelletier's uh pin up in the next day or two so we we want to be able to show off as much of the process as possible and um and give people a glimpse into how this happens and um you know there are also you can be in the book if you want that's one of the rewards we you know we have we have some places where people can be uh drawn into the book yeah we should uh, we'll be able to, you know, if possible, we'll be able to use some version of your name in the book, and um, you can you can have the original art. You can get sketches from Rick and Andy. Um, so this is this is hopefully as as inclusive a campaign as we can make it. Um, uh, we've uh, hopefully a good segment of the audience knows what we do uh, and is uh, is keen to see us do it. Yeah, fantastic, and I, I'm I'm checking every day just because i want to see those pinups as they come in i can't wait to see more of those i mean fantastic paul's is amazing so yeah uh well if anybody wants to follow along with you ron i know you're, you're pretty active on social media uh you know cheering on your mets which uh you know they're having my, they're doing a hell of a lot better than my texas rangers i'll tell you that Listen, uh I, I actually to 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 be brutally honest, I have the Mets game on in a different window on my laptop, and they're getting shelled right now. So the the would, bottom's falling out. I would expect Although, no less. Sorry, they're losing, but I would expect no less from you. That makes me um, makes me proud. It's, uh, 
Yeah, actually, I actually didn't have it on, and then I, you know, it was I when I I I came from the I came from the gym before we did this, so I was listening in the car, and it was tied two two, and then when I when I actually popped the window open, it was eight to two. So oh, so. So my assumption is that because I wasn't paying attention, things went sideways. See, Um, my wife, she's a baseball fan too, but she doesn't get how the superstition plays such an important part. Oh, yes. It's, it's totally about me. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Same thing. My team starts losing. uh, I'm like, I'm going to turn it off and stop watching. And I I have stopped watching live Ranger games this season because they've been doing so bad. It's got to be my fault. So I'm, I'm trying not to watch and they've been winning a little more. So I'm going to keep that up. So yeah, you gotta yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta make that sacrifice. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm mostly on Twitter. It's just at Ron Mars. Uh, there's a Facebook page for me, but um, it's actually somebody else maintains it for me. Uh, but there will be you know news and and such there, and and I have a website that's in you know dire need of being updated. <laughs> but uh, you know at some point that'll happen too. But for the most part, um, find me on Twitter. Okay, and I'll put a link to uh, Ron's Twitter in the show notes, everybody. So if you're having trouble finding him. Uh, you can go and click there. And I, I do recommend following him because uh, he's, he's very engaging with, with fans. And uh, yeah, if you want some baseball talk, because you never have enough baseball talk, you can get uh, 162, 162 games. We got to talk about them. We've got to talk about everyone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, Ron, again, uh, best of luck with the campaign. The book looks absolutely amazing. Can't wait to get my hands on uh, the hardcover. I'm going to go and pledge right now as soon as we're done talking. Uh, so be sure, everybody, like I said, you go and check it out and join the campaign. Uh, and even if it's like, not for you, like I said earlier, just share it out on social media and help these guys out because uh, it looks like a, a fantastic project. So, uh, again, Ron, thanks for uh, coming on. It's been great chatting. Thanks, Jace. My pleasure. I uh, appreciate your time and your attention. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, and uh, I'll add my thanks to you listeners uh, and people watching on YouTube as well. We really appreciate the support. We couldn't do it without you. So we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.